Hello, welcome to Too Sick and Naked Healing Out Loud, where we vulnerably discuss the ups and downs of healing from illness. Each episode, I interview a brave guest who has extensive experience with illness and or wellness, and hopefully we will leave you inspired to warrior on, as well as highly informed about something new. Hi guys, happy Monday. Healing Out Loud tribe over here. So excited for you to hear Laura Guzik Cohn this week talk about all things Hashimoto's disease, which is a thyroid disease, and celiac, and what it's like to be a new mom or be a mom with chronic illness. Um, if you're interested in thyroid health, this is the episode for you. If you're interested in autoimmune disease and solutions, this is the episode for you. If you're a mom, this is the episode for you. Um, we talk all things thyroid health symptoms, getting diagnosed treatments. Uh, we have a weekly challenge this week of sleeping and resting as much as you possibly can, which is one of Laura's biggest suggestions to anyone with chronic illness. And sleeping and resting, you guys know, it's like the easiest and the hardest thing to do. So I'm really interested in seeing how your weekly challenge goes. We're all, we also talk about using food as medicine and exactly what suggestions Laura has on what foods and supplements you should be taking if you have thyroid issues. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Laura, please look in the show notes and I'll have her Instagram below or contact me. Hop on over to twosickandnaked.com and follow me. Follow me on Instagram at shayjackie or at nakedshay. Subscribe, rate, and review in iTunes. And I'm so, so excited. You must share with me what you think and I'll talk to you guys on the flip side. So excited for today's episode. I have with me uh, a writer, mom, wife, dog person, and Chicago native, Laura Guzik Cohn. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, diagnosed with uh, Hashimoto's and celiac. Mm -hmm. um, so great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming. Thank to... you so much for asking me and that we finally got it to work. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, uh, being a mom, which is something we're going to talk about, you have a, a busy schedule. Being a mom with a chronic illness, you have extra layers of um, self-care and, and, and busyness and taking care of all of that. Definitely. I think that um, I have to give a special shout out to my husband, because Zachary, Zach, um, <laughs> because he, without him, I... You know, Elliot would be like eating out of garbage cans or something because <laughs> my son's name is Elliot. Um, he would it, because I couldn't do it. Like I literally could not do it without him. Mm, and, and he's five, right? Elliot's five. Uh, Elliot's Sometimes five. Zach acts like he's five too. <laughs> and Zach is no, five. Zach. <laughs> um, no, Elliot's five years old, and um, my diagnosis came when he was almost two. Yeah. And so let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about the first of all, what is Hashimoto's? It's a um, thyroid disorder, an autoimmune thyroid disorder, where the so I mean, basically, the difference between Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism is hypothyroidism is your um, your thyroid's too slow, so you're not producing enough. Um, hormones from your thyroid to function in your day-to-day -day life. Your symptoms will be sensitivity to heat and cold. You'll be tired, gain weight. Typically it happens as women get older. So like once you're in your mid to late 40s, it can start as early as mid 30s in some women if there's a genetic predisposition to it. It's really common. Um, most women take Synthroid or Levothyroxine. Um, some will take Cytomel um, or the generic version of Cytomel. Uh, the levothyroxine synthroid, that's the T4 hormone, and the cytomel is the T3. So um, they'll take one or both of those, 
they feel fine, go on with their life like nothing's happened. A little, uh, sorry, a question about that. When mm-hmm. people are getting their thyroid tested mm-hmm. um, and they test like uh, T3, T4, and TSH, a lot of times doctors only go off of the TSH. Yes, unless there, unless there really um, is a concern that it, they should be looking deeper. What happened with me is a doctor tested my ANA, um, and that caused my doctor to do, I think she took roughly a gallon of blood at that point because she ordered, I think there were 42 tests that she ordered just to look at, because at that point we knew it was an autoimmune disease. We just didn't know which one it was. And so those tests were not all about your thyroid. They, they weren't were, all about my thyroid, but she went deep with the thyroid. But there are many tests that they don't look at. And so when people are concerned or think they have hypothyroidism, um, not Hashimoto's, but mm-hmm. hypothyroid, what tests should they, what tests should be looked at? Do you know? So I think the best thing to do is, I mean, they're going to do the HSH no matter what. Um, they do that test on me. The TSH? Or oh, sorry, TSH. T- TSH? Okay. TSH. <laughs> Suddenly I'm talking about government organizations, <laughs> housing and urban development, you know, whatever. Okay, so um, the TSH. So they're going to do that no matter what. I get that test done every few months, um, usually every four to six months, depending on how my thyroid function is. All that test is is if your thyroid is working or not. It's kind of a big picture test. Okay. Um, to test the actual hormones, the T3, the T4, the reverse T3, which the crazy thing is a lot of endocrinologists don't even test for reverse T3. Really? Yeah. And I mean, it's one of those where that's going to be such a huge indicator of the autoimmune of Hashimoto's, the actual autoimmune disease. And same thing kind of goes with Graves disease as well, which is the autoimmune version of hyperthyroidism where you're you're um, so basically take all the symptoms and flip them right um and that's hyperthyroidism um but it's still going to be the sensitivity to cold because your thyroid is the regulator of your whole body so it's sort of like it's the engine room um and it not only regulates um temperature body temperature it regulates mood it regulates. So a lot of times women will go in and they'll be like, I'm so tired. I'm so, I'm depressed, but I'm anxious. But it, And doctors think that it's a mental illness. And it's not a mental illness. You are having a physiological um, response to what your thyroid is or isn't doing. So, you're, so, you know, I got diagnosed with postpartum depression, which I think was very much a real thing for me. But at the same time, I was still in postpartum thyroiditis. So tell us, so you were pregnant and you were telling me that mm-hmm. you you go into hypothyroidism when you're pregnant yes. or at the at, end at the end, of, of, at the end of your pregnancy. Usually at some point, um, I want to say it's um, around 36 weeks because 37 weeks because your body's getting ready to get the baby out. Um, so all women go into postpartum th- or they get hypothyroid towards the end of pregnancy. And then after the baby's born, you get what's called postpartum thyroiditis. It can take anywhere from one to six months to correct on its own. And what are you supposed to do about that? Are you supposed to like treat it in any way or you just let it correct? I mean, honestly, you're so, most women don't even notice that it's happening because you're so exhausted. 
Um, if you're breastfeeding, you're on a schedule where, you know, a lot of people um, just feed at will or as the baby, baby cries, stick the boob in their mouth kind of thing. Uh-huh. And, you know, so you're exhausted, you're hungry, you're um, really thirsty, like all these things that in any other instance would be like, oh, my God, go to the doctor now. But really what it is, is you have a newborn. Right. And you like know, a little lonely and depressed. And a little lonely, a little depressed. You know, they call yeah. it baby blues, for, which is totally normal because being a new mom is super isolating. Yep. Super isolated. I say yep, like I know, but, but I don't. Yeah. I just I see it, and I don't. Yeah. I, I I get it. I get why it's well, and, isolating. And something I do now with friends who have babies, I just you'll send them a message on you know Facebook Messenger, or send them a text, and be like, "How are you doing?" And I don't want the Instagram version. How are you actually doing? Mm. Because I went through it, and I didn't really feel like I could. God, I'm getting weepy about this, but I didn't feel like I could tell anyone that. I wasn't okay and that this wasn't the most amazing experience of my life and that I was lonely and I was sad and I didn't think I was doing everything. I don't even want to say right, but like I didn't think I was okay at what I was doing. And I had been a nanny for like 900 kids prior to having my own. Like I knew a little bit about childcare and yeah. and babysitting and all of those things. But when it's yours, like when they told me I was getting discharged from the hospital, Zach and I just looked at each other and we were like, are we old enough to, and, I mean, we're definitely old. <laughs> you know, I was thir- 39 when I had Elliot. Oh, so wow. yeah. So it's like, yeah, we're old enough. We can take this baby home. <laughs> like he's ours. We are committed. We are definitely. I always think about that with parents. Like, aren't you freaked out when they tell you to leave the hospital oh, with this tiny thing? Completely. It's like all up to you from here. All up to you. Like it is on your watch. Yeah. But I'm so glad you're talking about that. Thank yeah, you. And yeah. I think it's so important. And the same goes for like miscarriages and abortions and, and postpartum depression. All of these things are things that women aren't don't feel safe talking about enough. It feels like a failure to have a child at home that you're not super pumped about. Like, you know, you're pumped about the fact that this kid's yours, but you're fucking lonely and depressed totally. and like exhausted totally. and sleepless. I mean... Anyway, I think it's really important, and for all the new moms out there, I think it's so normal. You would know. So I mean, normal. I mean, and any new moms who are listening, like, please, please, please contact Jackie for my information. I'm happy to talk about it because I went through it and it was rough. And I still talk to mom, you know, my mom friends who are either new, newly having their first child, or even I have a friend who just had her third child and for the first time postpartum depression. Mm. You know, and how it how a friend of mine helped um my friend jenica i called her one day and i couldn't stop crying i'm like <laughs> she's like you have postpartum depression it's okay Ugh. it's gonna be okay call your ob right now um and he's gonna take care of you and i called my ob's office and they're like come in in 20 minutes oh and they were just on top of it and he was on top of it and you know a big shout out to the pump station in santa monica because they had a postpartum depression support group Cool. Um, I know them. They're also actually in Hollywood. Yeah, they have them in Hollywood. Hollywood, There's just such amazing women who run the place and facilitate everything. Um, This is in in Los Angeles, obviously. But, um, you know, you can always find resources for people to help you. And if you don't, don't stop looking because there's someone out there who's going to help. And that was the great thing. Like, I 
met other women in the group who are going through this. I found out about other friends who went through this. And now I've been able to be supportive of friends who are going through it as well. So great. Thank yeah. God for the people who have been there first. <laughs> exactly. And I think, you know, for me, I felt an immediate, like immediately protective of Elliot. But it wasn't like they laid him on my chest and I was like, I'm so in love. You know, it wasn't that Pampers commercial moment. It was definitely a, all right, I want to protect you and I want to make sure you're safe. But we just met. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just met you. And you're the one who's been giving me heartburn. fucking hilarious. (laughs) We just met, man. And kicking my bladder and, you know, making me vomit for the last 40 years. You've been a little asshole. (laughs) Yeah, you've basically been a dick while you've been in my uterus. So right now, I'm a little trepidatious about our current relationship. (laughs) Um, but then yeah, I would say probably within two weeks, it was definitely like I 100% fell for him sure. and was just like, oh, my baby, you know, sure. and, and uh, he, he, he's such an amazing kid. But at the time it was like, that's sort of how I felt. Like I just wanted to protect him and make sure he was safe and loved and warm, but I wasn't sure how I felt about him yet. Sure. And, and- that's normal. Right. So and normal. that's and I think that's a really scary and hard thing for mothers to to come to terms with also. Not everyone feels that way, I'm sure, but if you do, it's it's normal. It's yeah. Totally normal. So you so you went into the you had the normal like hypothyroid mm-hmm. postpartum thyroid thyroiditis <laughs> and <laughs> you had that and then when did it turn? When did it become? And I also think it's important that you know, I do actually it is happening more where illnesses kind of kick in after pregnancy and after the birth of a baby, which totally. I, I hate to say that because I don't want to scare anybody, but I, I, I see it a lot. Totally. And I think too, that, you know, especially, um, as women wait a little longer to have kids, which, you know, a hundred percent, nothing wrong with it at all. You have kids when you're ready to have kids or in our case, when there's a birth control fail, um, <laughs> <laughs> sure. on the pill. Wow. Not even kidding, ladies. On the pill. Your body was ready. Uh, Yeah, my body was ready. My body wanted to do and the universe wanted to do what I didn't think I wanted to do. So, you know, I think as we're having children a little bit older, it's really common for us to get illnesses after pregnancy because pregnancy is one of the most traumatic things. It is the most traumatic thing you're ever going to do to your body. Mm. Everything becomes compromised to... um, to grow another human being. And that's part of the reason why I think, you know, like we're a little more gentle with pregnant women and a little more kind with pregnant women. It's a big deal. Your body is going through, I mean, immediately upon getting pregnant, you start pumping twice the amount of blood in your body. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's those kind of things where it's like, I think that we, you know, we'll see celebrities who are back to their pre-baby weight eight weeks after well they also have a whole cavalcade of people helping them do that and a chef and that's their job as well like their job is to look good when you're an actress or a celebrity of some type you are investing time and money into looking your best all the time um i still don't have my pre-baby body back and a lot of that is because of illness because the great thing about the thyroid is you're going to gain weight. Right. So you, so what was it that turned your attention to thinking you might, this might not be postpartum, this might be something else? It was really after Elliot was sleep trained. So around eight months. Um, and Zach was always so lovely because by eight months he was also doing formula. I wasn't producing enough breast milk. 
Um, and so we were, we kind of did it right out of the gate with formula just cause I wasn't making enough to keep up with hungry, hungry hippo uh-huh. and how much, <laughs> yeah. how much nourishment he needed. Um, so he was fully on formula a hundred percent by then. And, um, Zach would do the night, the dream feeds for me because I was usually so exhausted. I was working in production at the time too. So I was so exhausted and, um, he would take care of the night, but I actually wouldn't hear Elliot cry. You were that That's tired. how asleep I was. And that was a big concern for me. So I went to the doctor and the doctor did the basic test, you know, just to test, test the, um, the TSH and, you know, it came back pretty normal. And the funny thing is now, even with full blown autoimmune, my, my TSH will still come back normal. My thyroid actually functions pretty normally. Right. I take a very, very low dose of Synthroid. I'm only taking, um, 25 micrograms a day. Okay. So it's a very small dose of Synthroid. Where, um, but I do take a larger dose of Cytomel. I take 7.5 micrograms of Cytomel every day, the T3 hormone, because my T3 is a bigger problem than my T4. And is and that normal in Hashimoto's? No, mine's actually kind of a weird case oh. because um, I still have so much exhaustion. Um, despite, I go to bed roughly an hour after my five-year-old and wake up around the same time as him. And I'm sleeping probably 11 hours a night. And I'll still have pretty serious exhaustion. And then on the flip side of that, I'll get the lovely autoimmune insomnia sometimes. Oh, so I take um, three milligrams of melatonin every night to help get me to sleep. Right. That's my problem. Once I'm asleep, I'll stay asleep until, you know, I'll sleep like I'm dead, honestly. Um, but it'll be... It's the getting to sleep that can be an issue sometimes. Got it. I'll get like anxiety, mild panic attack. Um, sure. You know. Just, I understand yeah, that. Yeah, you know all of So that. everything comes back normal mm-hmm. and and then they send you home with, with nothing. With nothing. Okay. Basically, you know, have a little more sleep. I actually had one doctor say, have a little more caffeine every day. Oh, right. So yeah. then, and then you were, you were having, tell us about how much <laughs> caffeine you were having. Um, I was stopping at Starbucks and I was getting eight shots of espresso over ice. God, that is a lot. Thinking about that right now, like, makes my body vibrate. Well, sure. That's you know, so much espresso. I mean, this, I have a gigantic coffee cup on the table right now, and it is what I drink, but half of it'll be almond milk. Right. You know, so it's a, it, it's like really it's like half a shot of Exactly. It's a very large coffee, <laughs> but it's probably uh, maybe 10 ounces of coffee, and right. I drink this for about four hours every day, you right. know, all morning long. So, so you're getting that, I'm and you're caffeine, and you're and you're drinking more caffeine throughout the day, and doing taking things like emergency and tons of vitamins, every supplement I can possibly put in my body to give me more energy. Be- I was getting B um, B shots, vitamin B oh, shots. Oh wow, you're really going which, for it. Yeah, because I just I'm like I have a small child. This can't be my life. I can't be nodding off in the park. And was nothing you know, working? Nothing was working. So, so yeah, what ended up happening was um, I got a rash on my face, just on one side under my left eye. And my mom is a retired nurse, and so I um, sent her a picture of the rash and. Um, None of you can see me right now, but I have very fair skin and red hair and am very Irish. And uh, so I sent her a picture um, and she said, it's probably just your sensitive Irish skin, but as long as your copay is not too high, go to the emergency room because it could be something called ocular cellulitis. 
And if it's that, you need to be on IV antibiotics. It's a pretty big deal. And she'd been also known that I've been going through all this health stuff. So I went to the emergency room. They did a massive workup, um, not just asking me uh, health questions, but took a ton of blood, did a whole bunch of things. And one of the things that they did was an ANA. Um, an ANA titer, I actually can't think of what it stands it's something, for. It's an antibodies test. So basically it tests if you're having autoimmune behavior in yeah. your body. Mm-hmm. They'll always do it if they're curious about yeah, autoimmune. They, that yeah. and RNA. Yes. And uh-huh. um, so the ANA uh, came back with a titer of 1 to 1680. Which is extremely extr- high. high. Um, most people, even if they're having some autoimmune activity, they'll maybe be at 1, eight, one to 80. Um, so this was extremely high. And the emergency room doctor called me a few days after I was at the ER and uh, it, it wasn't ocular cellulitis. It was just one of my crazy Irish skin rashes. Um, and he said, I'm not saying run, don't walk, <laughs> but you should make an appointment with your doctor very soon. And I'll send the results over to her so that she can do some more um, in-depth testing because you definitely have some autoimmune activity going on. And they had tested for lupus while I was there. He said, it's not lupus, but you have an autoimmune disease. And it's how did so you feel hearing that? Did you feel relieved. like yeah. everyone I know too, who has an autoimmune disease says the same thing. Like when they find out they're so relieved to know that I was so relieved to know I wasn't losing my mind because I truly felt like I was going crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't feel well. My hair is falling out by the handful. You, you, know, you like, have a potential solution on the horizon. Exactly. And it's like, that's yeah. how I felt when I got diagnosed with Lyme, even though I'm one of the lucky, lucky cases that found it early. I had a rash for like two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the fuck is this rash? Totally. It was driving me crazy. And when they told me it was Lyme, I was like, great. Like now what? Now what? Like there's a, there's some, there's a next step that can be taken. Yeah, totally. So, um, so did you go to your doctor? I went to my doctor. She did a ton of tests. Like I said, she took about a gallon of blood. She called me about three days later and she said, you do have Hashimoto's. Okay. So how do they get there? Um, how they got there was they, she tested me for basically every autoimmune disease that there's a blood test for. Um, there were some that she knew that I didn't have like sojourns and, you know, things like that, that tend to really be more genetic. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't fit the bill for those, um, based on my symptoms. So she did a very deep blood panel based on my symptoms. And your symptoms were gaining weight, gaining weight, losing hair, lethargy, um, extreme extreme fatigue. fatigue. Um, and depression too. Depression and anxiety. And anxiety. Which is a very fun thing to have because um, you're already kind of depressed. And I've always just sort of had kind of a dystemic de- depression to begin with. Like I've always been sort of baseline, cup is half empty. But <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> which is funny because I actually have really good social skills. Uh-huh. So like when I tell people I'm introverted and need to be by myself to recharge, they're like, but you're so good with people. I'm like, that doesn't mean I like them. <laughs> You didn't even like your son, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, and I made him. You know, so totally. Yeah, it. it so I yeah. get that though. I had depression and anxiety too for years with the Lyme, and it's fucking horrible. It, but you had you didn't have like muscle pain or no, joint pain. No, I had pain. a lot of joint pain. Oh, I you had did. A lot of joint swelling. Like I couldn't wear. I have my engagement. My wet, red, 
wedding ring on now, but I couldn't wear them. Wow, at the time. is that common for Hashimoto's? Yeah, because Hashimoto's is basically it's an inflammation. You know, is all autoimmune uh-huh. inflammation. But what happens is the thyroid starts to release the hormones, and my body happens to think that it's um, an invader, that the natural hormones that my body is releasing uh, is an illness. So it goes after it, and that causes everything the to inflammation. the inflammation yeah so right. the inflammation is I'm, I'm making my own inflammation right you know, and it through a very through what my body's supposed to be doing right and then you know the my my white blood cell count is constantly elevated because I'm constantly in inflammation and that's very common with most Hashimoto's patients as well um, right. they have a pretty high white blood cell count so my doctor and I actually figured out what normal is for me and then what is normal for you? White blood um, cell. Eleven point five to twelve is my normal. Okay. That's what it is. I'm like eleven thousand, twelve thousand. No, eleven point five to twelve is my normal. Okay. Um, and I mean most people's normal is in three yeah. to ten. Right. Ten is not considered. Ten is considered the high end of normal, but my normal is eleven point five to twelve, and um, a lot of times I'll be at fifteen. And that's common for Hashimoto's or for autoimmune in general, or I for, think it, for I, I'm guessing it's probably for autoimmune in general because okay. you're constantly inflamed. What's been what's happened a lot with people with um, doctors is they'll say. Basically, like hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, same thing. They are 100% not the same thing because I know plenty of people who are hypothyroid who start taking um, their thyroid medication, whether they do Synthroid or Armor, which is the natural thyroid. Uh, It's dissected um, pig thyroid that Mm -hmm. they take. Um, And they start feeling better. Right. So the difference is that the autoimmune piece, right? Autoimmune so if you have hypothyroid, difference. then you're not you're not autoimmune technically. Exactly. And so with the Hashimoto's, which I think what I read is is the most common thyroid disorder in the United States. Uh, Hashimoto's. It's actually, it's actually um, hypothyroidism is the most common. Oh, okay. But because the two get lumped together all the time. Um, they always... You can be hypothyroid and not have Hashimoto's. Right. You can't have Hashimoto's and not be hypothyroid. Right. Now, like I said, my particular case is my T4 function is fine. So I take very little um, Synthroid. But my T3 doesn't release. And T3 is usually the... Um, the one that like gets you up and going. It's sort of the first, it's like the morning coffee of your hormones. And that's the one for me that doesn't function very well. Well, No wonder you're exhausted. Exactly. So does she, so she did all these tests and, and the, I guess it was the thyroid test that showed her that you have Hashimoto's Mm -hmm. and with Hashimoto's, there is no real treatment. No. Um, (laughs) right. Super fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love it. So do you, um, so you take your, these two thyroid, um, prescriptions, do they, do they help you? They do to a point. But the funny thing is, is that, you know, I was still having anxiety. I was still having depression. So at this point I had switched, our insurance had changed. So I had switched general practitioners and I was with, um, UCLA system. So I started going to see a new GP and he sent me 
to psychiatrist to, you know, because that's what they do. Uh Um, He sent me to a psychiatrist who's really been fantastic in determining what is like physiological anxiety caused by my autoimmune disease and what is my brain not functioning properly. And we've pretty much determined that the depression is just, that's, you know, my brain's not functioning properly and I've probably had it my whole life and that's how it is. So I take Effexor for that. Works great. Um, I have no complaints about it. And I'm generally not terribly depressed. There might be some situational things that pop up that get me down for a little while. But for the most part, completely treated taking Effexor. What's been harder to um, navigate has been um, the anxiety. And so she was giving me, I forgot what she was giving me for anxiety. It wasn't working. So she decided to kind of go off book and give me Neurontin, Gabapentin, Mm -hmm. which is used to treat both anxiety and um, joint pain and inflammation. I said, I swear to God, if you are the doctor who treats my um, autoimmune pain, I'm going to die laughing. And sure enough, I started taking the Gabapentin. And while it's it definitely keeps the anxiety at bay, it doesn't 100% work with it, but my joint pain and my constant autoimmune pain gone. Wow. So a question I like to ask often is what is the most con- what is the conventional thing, conventional med- medicine thing you did that helped you the most? Is that probably going to see her? Going and to see getting, her. Getting um getting Neurontin. Yeah. You know, which And treatment for your depression. And treatment for my depression, but also like kind of figuring out, okay, this is autoimmune, this is psychological. And she was so funny. I love the psychiatrist. Um, She said, she goes, oh my God, if you think psychiatry is a black box, she's like, autoimmune diseases, nobody knows what the hell is going on with those. She's like, it's throwing pasta up against the wall. It is. Because no one knows... She goes, the endocrine system is a mystery in and of itself. She's like, but then you add a malfunctioning endocrine system and it's just like, nobody knows what to do. And yeah, it's uh, autoimmune. When people come to me and tell me that they've been diagnosed with something autoimmune, I'm just like, God, that is so rough because oftentimes in your case, it, you know, it sounds like you had really good doctors doing the, the investigation decently (laughs) to a point point, and you had some really clear signs with your ANA numbers Mm -hmm. and your um, thyroid stuff and and the pregnancy like it all painted a a clear picture but that's often not the case and people Mm -hmm. get autoimmune slapped on shit that is not autoimmune definitely with Lyme disease they get that Um, you know so it's it's just a tricky it, it is so misunderstood right and and honestly the best thing was using, you know, Dr. Google for me and just figuring out, okay, like going into different Facebook groups and different discussion boards and looking at different solutions because I knew that after Western medicine and honestly naturopathy too had failed, I was going to have to figure out something on my own. Um, I am my, I say this all the time. I am my primary caretaker Yeah, and, and, and I, have I have to do the work. Totally. And I have a lovely general practitioner who luckily, anytime I ask him for a referral, he'll, he'll be like, all right, let's go down this rabbit hole. You know, like he's not one of those who's like, we don't need to do that. 
Great. No, we don't need to do that. That's I like mean, half the battle. Exactly. And so if I say I did some research and he'll also tell me when he's like, you know what? It's anecdotal at best. Like he'll tell me, he goes, if you really want to try it, we can, but I kind of don't want to waste your time and money. You have a small child. You know, there are so many other places where you could utilize these resources instead. Um, one thing that he had me do was have a sleep study. Mm. because um, my rest wasn't deep enough. So I did have to go on a CPAP machine for a while because with the weight gain, with, you know, it it affects, like it all affects your well-being. And the number one thing for me that I absolutely cannot sacrifice is sleep. Yeah, and that's, and that is our weekly challenge this week, which is, which I love to get sleep, to rest, to sleep. My friend Eva always says rest is an active verb and I love mm-hmm. it. And it's like, uh, sleep it's is great. a really, yeah, I know it's great, right? Because we're all like rest. I want to do something. Exactly. It's like you are. You're letting your body um, fix itself and exactly. heal itself in that in that time. Um, so that is sleep is the number one thing for me too. And, and that's something with a small child that I just, I think about because I definitely want kids mm-hmm. and, um, and I don't feel like I have the luxury of being underslept. There was a time when I didn't get sick before I got sick with Lyme where like I could operate on four hours, three hours of sleep a night. Mm-hmm. I could. And yeah. that's not really the case today. So it does, you know, that is, I don't know how new moms do that. I don't either. And the thought of having a second, like, we, I mean, we talked about it for about 20 minutes. Seriously, <laughs> that was our whole discussion was about 20 minutes long. And I'm like, I cannot put the two of you through what I put, this was to my husband, what I put you through. Hmm. And I don't want to do that to my body. And at that point, we're like, you know what? We're always going to have friends who have kids. You know, we're always going to have um, friends who also have only children. A lot more people are only, you know, are one and done because uh, either by choice, by circumstance, by, you know, ours financially definitely contributed to it because we didn't know what my working situation was going to be able to be. And right now I work more than I, I make more than my husband does just because I'm further along in my career than he oh, is. So you are working again. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm working again. I'm not working from home. Like I actually I go to the, I ride my bike to the office oh, every wow. day. Yeah. That's a huge triumph. So, so tell me too, before we move on, what the mm-hmm. most effective holistic thing you've done, would it be sleep or uh, sleep is definitely like, I have to make it a priority, but it's also, and I think, Almost any Hashimoto's sufferer, anyone with Hashimoto's will tell you this, you have to use food as your medication. And not in a, I'm going to eat a box box of chocolate because I feel shitty about myself, but in a, you know, I have to look at, here's where I need to be getting my protein. Here's where I need to be getting my vegetables. Here's where I need to be. And it's really like, you know, food has been much more effective for me in treating my day-to-day symptoms and staying out of um, flares as much as I can, much more than medication. The medication is maintenance. Right. So it's gluten-free. I'm gluten-free. I went dairy-free for a while just because I wanted to make sure that that wasn't an issue. And I was never a milk drinker, so that wasn't really... Anything that I'm eating is fermented in some way. So it's either yogurt or cheese. And I'm a big fan of the super stinky cheeses. So Uh that's even more fermentation. Um, and other than that, I don't really consume 
you know, not that there's that much dairy left after that, but you know, it'll be cheese and, and yogurt are the two big things. And I try to eat yogurt daily. Um, I take probiotics every day. Um, I actually take smarty pants, gummy probiotics. Because <laughs> I like those. They're the best ones on the market as far as I have found. And, um, plus it's like a little gummy treat uh-huh. every day. Um, and then what about, and then you make sure you get enough vegetables in the day. What about mm-hmm. sugar? Um, sugar, I definitely like, I don't go for added sugar in anything. Um, so I usually will try to keep it, uh, seven to 10 grams or less in a serving. So I really have to be a, a label reader, which anyone who has celiac and is following a gluten-free lifestyle knows that. Anyone who has like, for me, and I'm kind of a stickler about this stuff. Like I, feel like if you have a, a serious illness, like get you busy reading labels and like mm-hmm. find the things that, that are hurting you. It changed 100%. my life yes. to eat differently. It yes. changed my whole life. So are there any foods that you know of or supplements that mm-hmm. you know of that are specifically um, helpful to autoimmune or, or Hashimoto's in general? Well, I think, you know, um, when you have a small child, a baby and a small child, your life really becomes about poop. Uh-huh. And um, you have to... Know we talk about poop in every episode. Exactly. Just so you know. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because poop and illness go you together. Could really, you could really rename this like autoimmune, the shit show. <laughs> because autoimmune is a shit show and you have to pay attention to your poop. So when you have a small child, there are certain consistencies that it needs to be. And one of the things um, when you're potty training a small child is um, a lot of kids will hold their poop. Now, luckily, I have a child who is all about pooping. He what couldn't, you know, he was just like, the big thing for him was knowing the difference between poop and a fart because he kept <laughs> shitting his pants. I'm like, I'm seriously going to be sending this kid off to college and he's going to keep shitting his pants because he'll fart. And he goes, Mommy, I think it's a fart. And I go to, I push like I'm going to fart. And the next thing I know, I pooped. And I'm like, wow. I'm sure there's a lot of stories from guys' college careers that start with that very sense. Anyway, um, we started giving, I started giving him uh, the Smarty Pants probiotics, and then I started taking them too. And it just, your health is in your gut, and your gut is going to tell you, and I always used to hate that word, but it's 100% true that your gut is going to tell you when you're not feeling well. If you're having diarrhea, you're not feeling well. If you're constipated, you are not feeling well. If you're pooping on a fairly regular basis and everyone has their baseline, you know, for some some people, they're like rabbits. They poop five times a day for some people. it, But it's about consistency. It's about finding your baseline. Like I don't normally run fevers. My I took my temperature every day for a month to figure out what my base body temperature is. It happens to be 98 degrees, not 98.6. So when I hit 99 degrees, that is a fever for me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those are the things that you have to, as a human being, you know, and just know your knowing my own body has been the biggest part of this, um, this journey for me, because the more I, the older I get and the more, um, I don't want to say comfortable I am with my autoimmune disease, because if I could turn, if I, you know, share here, if I could turn back now, <laughs> if I could go back and figure out a way for this not to happen, but still have my child, I would. I don't think I can. Right. Um, I would love to, but I don't think I can. So um, instead, it's just a matter of 
I have to be my best advocate. I'm the only person who's going to be able to take care of myself. You know, my, my husband is phenomenal in, um, pushing me to rest when I'm like, no, I just want to do one more thing. He's like, go look. And he'll actually say it through clenched teeth because he's like, listen, you taking two or three hours right now and laying down and resting saves us a week of flair. I know it's true. Yeah. And, and, the big joke in our house is now I don't really like to talk about my flair, like the line from Office Space. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like to talk about my flair because <laughs> if I, I normally if I have a Hashimoto's flair, I did it to myself, and mm. that's the worst part. It's like, oh come on, what did I? And then I'm retracing my steps. What have I done? What have I? And the hardest thing for Hashimoto's suffers too. And I don't know if it's the same with other autoimmune diseases. I know it is with thyroid based diseases. So Hashimoto's and Graves, especially you have to regulate your stress. I have to regulate my stress. Right. So what are three suggestions you would have to Hashimoto sufferers? Is that's one regulate your stress regulate by your stress. what meditation? I meditate. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my husband and my son both have ADD. So we're nutrition is actually a very big deal at our house because we have to pay attention to um, things like red dye for Elliot and Zach. We have to pay attention to too many preservatives. So if something has more than, you know, like 10 ingredients on it, we don't buy it. Right. And that helps regulate your stress that because, helps. and it helps with nutrient, obviously food is medicine. Yeah, it's so all sort of like the wheels on the bus because everything has to be properly inflated and properly balanced in order for things to function right. on, a, on a regular basis. So you would say, you know, um, find ways to regulate your stress, find ways to use food as medicine, go gluten-free. Gluten-free is a huge help, very low sugar. And this isn't like whole food sugar. Like if you're eating an orange, savor it. Like yeah. Enjoy that sweet orange or watermelon. And there have been, there were times this summer where I ate watermelon and I'm like, this is too sweet for me. Because I've gotten so yes. used to not having that level of sweet. Totally. Um, what else? Would there be um, a third suggestion? Or? Sleep. Sleep. Find your find where you can rest here and there, where you can take a break, where you can um, stretch. You know, yeah. stretching is such a great way. And I guess that would go more with stress. But, you know, stand up and stretch. If you're in an office all day, like I'm back in an office now, which is bizarre. Triumph. Um, yeah. Isn't that a triumph? I think so. Yeah. I mean, to be working again, to be. Yes. Oh my God. A hundred percent. Like to be able to, and to tell my new employer, I'm working for, um, VCA veterinary, the veterinary clinics. Oh, cool. I work in their corporate office, which they call support. Cause they're like the vet hospitals are the ones that do all the heavy lifting. We make sure everything goes smoother for them, which I just love that. That's the mindset at the corporation's heart is that their field offices are doing more work than they are. So right there, like that mindset is a fantastic place to work. But when I told, you know, my, my boss, you know, I didn't reveal this in my interview, but I do have an autoimmune disease. Um, they were like, okay, what are we, what do we do to make sure that you can operate properly? What's going to, what does that mean for us? And I said, sometimes I might have to work from home. And they're like, oh, well, that's easy. That is incredible self-advocacy. Yeah, they're like, you're a writer. You can 
honestly, you can work anywhere. The other two people in my department work remotely because one's in um, North Carolina and the other's in Denver. So, you know, it's like the idea of remote work is fine. It's, you know, they don't love it, but he's like, and my boss, he said, the two things that you need to take care of are your health and your family. And those are always going to come before work. So good. And you're not always going to be able to find a boss like that. But, but, you know, I mean, my bosses and the people I end up working for are always really always able to work with me if mm-hmm. I and if you're honest and if you bring it to the to light in the right way it, it works out exactly so I think that that's incredible self-advocacy to just say it and to mm-hmm. just ask for what you need um this is all such good information is there anything else you want to leave us with before we wrap up um I guess it's really like you can 100% live a full life with an autoimmune disease and even with one like Hashimoto's that can be so debilitating at times. For me, I've just absolutely 100% had to pay attention to my body and the signals that I'm getting and, you know, have your trusted tribe around you who you can, they might not always understand it because a lot of people don't understand autoimmune. Um, they think if you just exercise more or sleep a little more or blah, blah, blah. But if you have that tribe of people who are like, dude, that sucks. Can I bring you a rotisserie chicken? You know, like those are the people who are going to be able to help you through like anything that you need to get through with this. And that's really like, that's where I've lucked out. Like I've got that tribe of people. I also have the people who are like, just exercise more. And I'm like, no, I actually, that's the worst thing you can do when you have Hashimoto. I can't go do CrossFit. Yeah. You know, like the extent of the extent of, of strenuous exercise I can do is swimming. Yeah. And, and you ride your bike to, to work. Yeah, I, ride you... my, I, ride, I live all of, you know, eight blocks from work. Oh. But yeah, I mean, I ride my bike <laughs> to work and it, it. I get up every hour. I have an alarm on my computer. I get up every hour and do lunges and you know, oh, stretch and like do all something those we things. can all use. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's really just. Yeah. Don't the take fine... no for an answer from. Western medicine Mm. and also watch falling for the snake oil from alternative medicine, because there's a lot of snake oil out of there. And because I think when we have autoimmune diseases, we're so desperate for a solution that we'll pay whatever we have to pay to get it. Yeah. Definitely use your discernment. And if it doesn't feel right in your gut, if you feel like someone's trying to sell you something rather than inform you of what can help you, Right. It, it, if it sounds too good to be true in autoimmune world, it is. Right. 100%. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you can reach um, Laura at on Instagram at the Juggernauts Mom, which I will connect to <laughs> below. And they're always great posts. Um, don't forget that your weekly challenge is to sleep and rest. And that is that is it, guys. Like, that's the easiest weekly challenge so far. But it's also the hardest. Exactly. Um. So anyway, we will see you all next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much, Laura, for all of that brilliant information and and support and help. And and yeah, thank you for being available to anyone who might need that, that assistance and that support. All right. Bye, guys. We'll see you next time.